Can you guys hear me fine? So before we start, um, can we just give another clap to Jesus because he's washed us white as snow. He paid our debt. You know, we can be, you know, we're free from all the heaviness in life. Also, if we maybe don't realize it, but we are free from all of that. You know, every day I get up and maybe the first thing I think is, no, I'm free in Jesus. I'm free to live my life today for what he has given me. And instead, I start thinking, man, all the things that I got to do. But before we get into that, I really want to thank you guys for having us here today. It's a pleasure for us. Uh, forgive me. This is my third time I preach in English, so <laughs> be gracious with me. Um, I will have to look my notes a lot of times because I want to make sure I bring out my points. And then also, uh, Mark and Jan, you've been, you know, great uh, for us. You have a big art in missions um, here in Parker and all around the world. And I just want to make sure that you guys know that you're in good hands. You know, they have planted Redemption Parker, uh, also with other people, uh, with them and the elders that you guys have. I'm pretty sure uh, this church will grow. I'm not, I'm not talking about numbers, I'm talking about spiritually and make a big impact in, in this region. So, thank you, Mark, for presenting our family. So, we have four kids. Uh, when we adopted three of them, people thought that, uh, that we were crazy, because in Italy, people usually have one slash two kids. But since I'm here in the U.S., I feel a lot better, because I know a lot of you maybe have like three, four, five, ten. I don't know how many. <laughs> so I think you guys are crazy right now. <laughs> but it's been good, but it's been extremely busy. After we adopted those three kids, uh, we arrived back to Italy uh, March 12th. Italy went in full lockdown on March 10th. When we left on February 25th was the first case came up uh, in Italy of COVID. So we can imagine that, you know, what's going to happen, all that happened. So we got our last flight out of Russia and we got back to Italy. We got locked in in our apartment for two and a half months. Just one of us could go out once a week to buy groceries or go to the pharmacy if we needed. And man, our, you know, we didn't speak Russian. Our kids didn't speak Italian. We used Google Translator for the first two and a half months. <laughs> I have no idea what Google Translator said, for real, if it was, everything was correct. But it was a hard and busy time. And we, I mean, we got out of those two and a half months dried up. But at the same time, we were, we were very hopeful. And we knew that God, if God brought us there at the moment, he was going to lead us through that. It was going to make us feel uh, refreshed again at some point uh, during this journey. So I don't know if you guys have a, a picture. Those are my kids. Uh, the one on the top right uh, is Adrian. That's our biological. Uh, and the other one just below him is Renat. Uh, Sitora is on the way to the bottom. And Rosanna is on the top uh, left. So... Um, and our life was so busy. But busy, I think, in Italy is different than here. Okay, busy. We're, Italy is very low, slow pace. So sometimes we have 10 things on our list, but we are great if we can do one. Because <laughs> just going to our office might take half of your day. But I, I'm out from the States for about four years. It was 2010 last time I came here. Um, but man, you guys are busy. Your life, I mean, I get stressed out just thinking about busyness here. And... 
and sometimes, you know, I've been to a couple of restaurants, you know, and I went to the bathroom, and they had these big, huge screens, uh, TVs in the bathroom. Then I went to pump gas, and they have TVs on the gas pumps telling me what I needed. And my life could be a lot better if I bought these things. And also I went to a couple of churches in, in the bathroom, just above the urinals. They have these bulletins telling me, you know, how can I get involved in church, what I need to do with my life. And, and, and I was thinking, man, you, you don't have a moment to rest your mind. You're bombarded. I mean, we all around the world are bombarded with things every day that tell us how better we can be, how good we can be if we have different things. And... Uh, uh, when we came in the U.S. in July, uh, there was a pastor uh, that preaches in, uh, in one of our, in our sending church in North Carolina, and he said that in the next few, in, the, in this past few years, uh, the word busy replaced the word fine. So sometimes when people are asking you, how are you doing today? He says, I'm busy. And then you say, maybe I'm fine or whatever comes after that. You know, and, and there is this feeling that if you are not busy, you're not doing enough. You're not worth it. I need to be busy. I need to be doing things. Or I feel like, you know, I'm lost. And I'm not doing um, enough. Last week, you know, we were home chilling on a Sunday. We didn't go to the beach. Your aunt is not here, so I can talk better about your family. So <laughs> next service, my, my wife's aunt is going to be here, so I can't say that. But they, you know, they're excited, you know. They didn't see us for four years, so they want us to do things. So our weeks has been, have been packed with stuff to do, continually, every day. Go here, go there, run here, run there. So one Sunday, we had a moment of chilling out at the end of, uh, uh, of the gathering, the church gathering. And my kids started saying, I'm so bored. This is the worst day since we've been here. And I, and I was thinking, you guys are not grateful for anything. You know, we've been doing this continually every day. But this is the mood that we are in every day. You know, if we chill out, we feel like we are uh, lost. So it is hard to put our mind to, like I said, to rest, you know. And sometimes we start missing the things that, might, that maybe are the most important in our life. You know, we strive uh, to be happy. And being happy, I mean, it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You should be sad and miserable. That's not what I'm saying, you know. But God gives us many gifts to enjoy, you know. The problem is that when these gifts start to become our identity, then we start losing focus on our life. I have um, something that I'm going to read because I want to make sure it comes through correctly. So when I... When I speak about happiness, human happiness, you know, I'm not talking about physical comfort, a big salary, or emotional stability, or the absence of conflict, or sexual gratification, or any such earthly or temporal achievement. You know, pursuing the things, these things, is not wrong. In their proper place, they may well be expression of divine benevolence, but we greatly err if they become foundational to human happiness. We should be grateful for them, but happiness is still within our grasp, despite their absence. So I wanted to read you these three questions. Um, we enjoy many things in our life, you know, but do we really think that God can satisfy us and pleasure us more than anything else. So are we so convinced that pursuing, pursuing a relationship with him is the first step toward real happiness? You know, when we are filled with busy schedules, uh, when the scene, uh, the scene that easily envelops us knocks at our door, 
or when, or when we deeply desire or yearn for the things that we want, do we really believe that having intimacy with God uh, is the only truly fundamental solution to then live a fulfilled life in, the God, in, the God, in God's eyes? You know, because when we live for ourselves and our survival and personal happiness uh, as our sole purpose, um, we see how easy it is to forget and understand the greater, the greater purpose uh, in his life, in our life, I'm sorry. Because we are so focused to taking care of ourselves that everything around us gets clouded. Uh, and, you know, the world all around us is tempting. Uh, and also one of the psalmists, you know, in Psalm 73, I don't have it up, out, out there, up there, but said, you know, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, living a, li- a right life, a right life, I'm saying it like that, in the eyes of God, sometimes seems meaningless, you know, compared to the momentary worldly things that we have around us. You know, we see people, they have everything, and maybe they don't really care about God at all. So we say, why do I, you know, God, I praise you. Maybe I come every Sunday morning to church. I go to Bible study, whatever. Why my life feels sometimes so miserable? Why do I have everything? You know, sometimes compare doesn't make sense. Uh, but this is today's point of view, you know, the point of view when you lose uh, focus on what God has purposed uh, in your life. And so before we move in, into, in, in Psalm 1, you know, we are bombarded daily by all these sources telling us we need more, you need to do more, you need to be a better person. You don't have enough, you can have a lot more of what you have. So but how much time, if we really think, we devote to hearing these things compared to what we devote to hear from God's Word? You know, just turn on your TV, spend an hour there. I mean, I tried to watch a movie <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and I think I spent probably two hours watching commercials, and the movie was like an hour and a half, so altogether it took me three and a half hours to watch the movie. So now I know why <laughs> you guys watch Netflix and all this stuff. We don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> it's impossible. I mean, I was thinking all these other things, and some of them, I really liked them. I said, well, maybe I should buy them. <laughs> but... You know, let, let's think about this. If we were doing the same things in our families or at work, you know, first I think about myself, first I think of what I need, and then eventually I give some time to them. Yeah, I know, pretty, I know you, you know pretty how much, oh, sorry, yeah, you, you probably know how is the, this thing is going to work out. You know? If you dedicate like a couple hours to your wife, a couple hours to your children when you have some time off, I think your family will go south very quickly. You will probably be fired at work if you don't de- dedicate any time at work either. So, but God offers us, a, offers us a different source of true blessing, you know. He offers something, something that will satisfy us, uh, no fake needs that always leaves us void uh, with a big hunger. hunger. Uh, and today we'll see that in Psalm 1. So I have the first three verses up here. And he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in his season, and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So he starts with a path. Walk, stand, and then sit. It's like an action. It's a movement. 
you know, just think for a moment about this. It's like taking a kid to a candy store. I don't know if you ever walk with your kids, if you have young kids, or a toy store, whatever. You walk in front of it, and they check, wow, and they want to check it out. Then eventually, after they checked it out, they walk by, they want to come back, and, you know, and they stand on it, and they start scoping all around them what they can get. And as soon as they saw something, they just sit on it, and they are not going to move out of there unless you drag them out or you get them what they want. So that's why I'm never taking my kids anymore to the grocery store. I'm scared every time I go in. Because I know I'm going to come out either with them screaming or with something that I didn't really want to buy. But this is what we do in our life, you know, every day. You know, first of all, the pastors tell us we should be careful where we take advice from in our everyday life. You know, where we get our counsel from. As mentioned before, you know, we are bombarded with thoughts actions by other people or things around us. You know, sometimes we don't even notice how they affect us. And then we start walking in, the direct, in that direction and maybe we find ourselves also agreeing with what they're telling us. We don't even uh, realize that we walk that path. This doesn't mean we should isolate ourselves from life. Just live in a bubble, live in maybe just in our Christian community, don't have any contact with humanity. Because God is calling, actually, to be ambassador for him to the people that doesn't believe in him yet. But we should start really, we should really pay attention that those things are not influencing us to the point that we start walking and following them. You know, happened, I don't know if you ever happened to your life that you get to a point and you look back and you say, how did I get here? I mean, this is not the place I wanted to go. When I started this journey and to, toward this path, I don't know, a career, a job, whatever, a friendship, a relationship, anything like that. And, you know, it, think about this example. Let's say I have to study your maps because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Let's say you want to go to Montana. So I guess you take Highway 25, is that correct? Interstate 25? So I guess you got to go north to go to Montana on Highway 25. Let's say you, before your trip, Maybe as a good Christian, you know, you pray your prayers, you know, you say the blessings, Lord protect me, and then you start driving south. I mean, you can pray all the prayers you want, you can be as good as a Christian as you want, you can go to church every Sunday, but if you keep driving south, you might get to New Mexico. <laughs> Unless you circumnavigate the world, they come down from North Pole going south, you're never going to get to Montana. <laughs> So there is a principle that I've listened many years ago. I took, um, when I lived in the U.S. in 2006, I went to Daytona with a youth, uh, for a, to a youth conference. So I brought some kids down there from the church that we were attending at that time. And this preacher said uh, this principle. They called the principle of the path. He said, direction, not intention, will determine your destination. So I repeat it. Direction, not intentions, will determine your final destination. You see, the decision you make today, or the duration you take today, you know, will determine your destination on a later time, not your intentions. So the direction you're currently currently traveling, relationally, relationally, financially, spiritually, and the list goes on and on. You can fill the blank. Will determine where you end up in each of those respective um, arenas. So we must, we mostly focus on the then, then, but we really put small attention on the now. 
We just want to get the big result at the end, and we don't put much attention, much focus of today. You know, I, I, I wanted to get a in a better shape, you know, so I bought a few years ago a gym machine, whatever you call it, a machine, exercise machine. And I started looking at all these exercises, all these people, you know, in good shape, all worked up. And now I use it to hang my clothes, to dry. <laughs> so, so, so I was focusing at that time on the then, it's very little on, on the now, um, you know. And what did it bring me? And nothing, you can see it. You know, <laughs> just look at me, it didn't do any good to me, just buying it. My intentions were very good. But the result was very poor because I used to hang close to it and no exercise for that. You know, it's the same thing. I want to get a good job so I find a good school after I'm out of um, high school, whatever. High school, yes. I wanna but instead of studying, I go party every night. And then I find myself maybe not even finishing college. Sometimes I talk, to, uh, I talk to a couple of people in Italy. They got a divorce. And they were looking back into their lives and said, how did I get here? This is not what I wanted. But when they look back at the steps that they take to where they got now today, to their final destination, they can realize, oh yes, we had very good intentions, but we didn't follow any of them. So this is the destination where we arrive. So remember, direction, not intentions, will determine your destination. You know, but God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just tell us, don't do that, do this. Don't listen to that, listen to this, you know, without addressing us and help us to understand how we can walk that path. So in Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. But just before that, if we can move, comes kind of the same psalm that we passage we read in psalm, and it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year, in the year of drought, drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. fruit. So after that, I think I have the psalm again on the verse. So on verse 2, it says, you know, we can be blessed... You know, and we can be men that walk, stand, and sit in the right counsel of God if we do what? If our delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law we meditate, meditate day and night. So what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It's a nice word to say, I'm delighting in the Lord, but really, what does that mean? Um, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you know, it takes your focus from what you want, from where you want to go, it puts it back on him. What he wants for my life. You know, there is a fine line here. You know, many people in Italy confuse delight with duty. Uh, they are not really understanding what it means to delight in the Lord. And they perceive, you know, that they need, they, they, what they need to do is pure duty. We must do this to please the Lord. We must do this, otherwise we are not going to do that. We must do this, otherwise people are not going to be happy with us. Um, 
But duty without heart doesn't last long. If you do just duties, 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 and there's no heart in what you're doing, you're not going to go uh, very far in anything you do, not just praising the Lord. Um, and the Pharisees were very good at just being a lot of, in a lot of, doing a lot of duty. And there was no heart in it. You know, and there's a passage in Malachi, Malachi, I don't know how you say it in English, that I think it says, you know, the gods tells them, take back, take back your foolish rituals. You know, I don't need any of this. All of your rituals, they have no heart, and, and they are compared to animals' dung. And he said, I'm going to smear that on your face. I don't know if it's not very pleasing and, and nice visual. That's how God count, counts uh, just duty with no heart. When there's no delight, when we're just doing things because we need to do. I'm not saying you guys are doing that. But you know, my duty is not coming on Sunday morning to church. My duty is not going to a gospel community. My duty is not uh, to pray my prayers. Yes, I want to put effort in the things I do. Sometimes things take sacrifices. You know, I'm not all happy to do everything. But there's no delight. Do you delight when you come here on Sunday morning? Do you delight when you go to your gospel community? Do you delight when you serve your community? I not delight in what you're doing. You know, look how good I am. Look how many things I can do. But you delight in the Lord. They gave you the possibility to come here on Sunday morning and worship with this family, to be part of a gospel community and study together His Word so that you can grow in delighting more on Him. So, so ask yourself sometime, what am I delighting in? You know, God says in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, but what are the desires of your heart? That's a good question too. You know, sometimes are difficult to discern. They seem sometimes well hidden in a dark room. Very hard to find it. And, uh, but we know that God's words is our lamp, his map for us to go through life. You know, God speaks, speaks through his word. Uh, he says that we are blessed if we don't, do not follow the advice of the world, but we are focused on his word who created the world. You know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light uh, to my path. Uh, sometimes I think I got things figured out. I don't need lights. I already know things. I already know Jesus died for me on the cross. You know, he washed me white as snow. Uh, I don't need to fear because, you know, he's going to have my path, path straight and all of that. Sometimes, you know, I flick the light off and I think like I can get out. Like I, it's, it's the same thing when I get up in the morning during the night. I need to go to the bathroom and I know my house, you know. <laughs> but then I kick the side of the bed. I tumble on a chair and I smack my face on the door because we need light. We cannot see. Also, if we think that we see. So we need this light continuously in our life. That's what it means to meditate day and night on His Word. It doesn't mean that we stay, need to stay 24 hours a day with the Bible in our hand, but we need to do something in our everyday life. An hour on Sunday morning, listening to me, listening to Mark, listening to anybody else is not good enough. doesn't do anything good for your life if that's the only thing you do. Neither going to do your Bible study at the gospel community. You need to be in His Word daily. You need to encourage each other daily. You need to live the life of a gospel community uh, daily. And if you, that, if you do that, 
And verse 3 tells us, we will be like tree planted by streams of water. The yields its fruit in the season. And its leaf does not wither in all that we do. We will prosper. So continuing abiding in Christ will make us vigorous. It will not make us wither. He's the nourishment we need. Not the world around us. And what the world offers us is fake nourishment. We need the real nourishment to be, uh, to strive. You know, I saw this in my garden. You know, I put down some soil uh, last year. So in the beginning, we had to water it continuously. Then after a while, you water maybe every other day. You know, but if you don't do that, everything starts turning yellow. I mean, you know about yellow here things. You know, this, this, I thought I was in the desert when I was flying here with a plane. That was just dry grass. But once it's yellowed, it's hard to bring it back to green without a lot of care. For the weeds, that's not the point. Weeds grow everywhere. You don't need to water them. You know, they grow, I think, in the desert too, if you give them time. You know, weeds are all around us. Weeds grow all around us. We don't need to water them. We don't need to pay attention to them. They keep coming up until they suffocate us. And they suffocate everything. So this was Max Lucado, a preacher, a book writer, wrote, uh, you can stand waist deep in the Colorado River and still die of thirst. Until you scoop and swallow the water, does your system no good. So this is Italy. You know, people think they know God just because we have a history with Christianity and the Vatican, the Pope, and Peter in Rome, images, uh, history, whatever. So, but they are in the midst of all this religion. But they don't ever scoop and swallow any of it. And so the weeds are keep growing and they are as tall as you can imagine. And they are continuing to cover in them. And they are not letting any light come through. And they are blinded of what a true relationship with God is. Because they cannot see it. They are completely in darkness. But they think they know everything about it. So when we go and tell them, you know, we have a small church plant in the northeast of Italy. An X29 uh, church. And when we talk to people, they might say, oh, that's a great idea. Good, good kid story. Now let us go back to our real life so we can plan for our future. So we already know about that. Didn't do anything good to my life. So your kind of different thing, maybe you don't put Mother, Mother Mary in your story or the Pope, it's, you know, it's going to be the, kind of the same thing because they are blinded and suffocated by all the weeds that keep growing around them. You know, the thing is that this is a nice story, the psalm that we saw before. But it doesn't end there. It just doesn't end with a story. If we don't listen to the wrong counsel, then we are blessed. It continues. It said, you know, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff. The wind easy drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinner in the congregation of the righteous. Or the Lord knows the way of the right. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, the chaff is the outer shell of wheat. You know, and when the wind comes, it blows it away all over the place. You know, it's easy. It's like when you grab a peanut, I don't know, you take the shell out of it. You can just blow it and the thing disappears. Um, God counts the things of the world, 
as chaff. Things that you might think they are so important for your life, for him they're like chaff. It's going to blow away in a second. It's going to be gone. You know, we have sang this morning uh, the God has to take our place to forgive us, you know. God gives us a chance uh, to know him for who he really is. He gives us these chances every day in our life. Uh, his word is our first testimony for us. You know, we read about, in it, we read about Jesus. He gave himself for us. You know, he gave himself for us because he loves so much. He loved us so much. He knew that we couldn't do anything because we are lost about following our desires. You know, we couldn't do anything to make this relationship right. The only way for us to be in a relationship with him was if somebody was to be punished and he took that punishment among him. You know, grace has been poured on us. So the only thing we need to do is accept it. There's no duty. We don't need to perform. We need to accept it, repent, and turn from our, from our hostile way toward God and start walking with Him daily. Stand next to Him. Sit in His open arms. You know, when we spend time, uh, I think I have a, something, maybe. Yes, when we spend time before we close. So when we spend time in prayer, in Bible study, in community, and in communion with God, we are filled with the things of God. We aren't interested in the things that the world has offered to us. No matter how tempting they may appear, but when we allow ourselves to get too busy to spend time with God, we wander into the world with hungry hearts. Everything seems sweet and desirable. We attempt to fill our emptiness with material possession, the praises of others, and empty, mundane pursuits. Instead of feeling full and satisfied, we are left with a bitter aftertaste of disappointment and discouragement. It is a dangerous thing to go out in the world with a anger inside. So we must fill ourselves with this world, and we get the pursuits. Proverbs 27.7 says, One who is full loathes honey. But the one who is hungry, but to the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. So Christ came into a world of confusion to free us. He put in front of us two roads. One is wide, full of goodies, but it do no good to your body. The other one is small, winding. Is it winding the right word? I always say winding, winding, winding. Very difficult to walk on it without a light. And he said, choose. Hard, difficult road in my sin, but lead to eternal life. A big, open door. They're going to lead to perdition. You know, and we have good intentions. We want to take the hard road. Ah, That's my intention. So why then we find ourselves walking on the big, wide, open road, you know? And then we get to the end of the road, and we are like, right there, we said, how did I get here? So the wicked will not be in the assembly of the righteous, you know? And we will be righteous only if we have Christ in us, because Christ is righteous, not us. And died for us. And we are righteous through what he accomplished. So as we finish...
how we walk, stand, and sit in the right counsel. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says we can walk with God, you know, if we trust in the Lord with all our hearts and we do not lean on our own understanding and in all of our ways we acknowledge Him and we will make straight and He will make straight our path. And then how we stand in the confusion of our life. Ephesians six eleven says, put on the whole armor of God then you may be able to stand against the schemes of the evil. And how do we sit and just rest in God's arms? Psalm 46, 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nation and I will be exalted in the earth. And as I'm finishing now, I'm 30 minutes. So you told me 30, 35, so I still have five. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to take all five. So I'm finishing with this story. Uh, once we adopted our three kids, you know, I don't know if you have, um, if you have any adopted kids or if, you have, uh, if you're familiar with people who have adopted kids. Um, you might get kids that are, that are older physically when their mind is not that older because they lived uh, in an institution for many years. So our kids were like uh, four, five, and seven when we, get, when we adopted them. But Really, their brain was mostly like uh, maybe three, four, and five. So you don't expect a seven years old to do certain things in an everyday life. So, oh, don't do that. You know, grabbing a knife and try to run around the kitchen or grabbing rocks and throw them into your neighbor's yard. You know, big rocks like that. Like, but so in this craziness, uh, I remember the first time we went out after lockdown, and we were walking. They are from Siberia. So I don't know if, if you know where Siberia is. Some there, up there. It's very cold. There's nothing there. Just snow. And snow. And snow. And snow. And my wife thinks they've sped in Jamestown near Buffalo where she lived. But I don't think that Siberia is not, not even compared close to it. But they came out of the house. And they saw the the sea for the first time sorry I'm getting kind of emotional but I said look the sea said, what? so I mean I, what, what's great about it you know I see it every day and I continue to say for a year every time we walk by it we drop by it Look, the sea. Till he got old. I said, oh, come on, guys. You know, you saw it like a hundred times. Why you keep saying the same thing? Look, the sea. And they were amazed every time. You know, but the point is, uh, we need to start um, walking, standing, and sitting in God's arms, in God's way, like little, a little children does when he sees something for the first time, and it is amazing, amazed by it. You know, we might grab our Bible, and for us it became just the thing. You know, we see it every day. It doesn't delight us anymore, like maybe it did in the beginning. You know, we need to look at our lives and see how God is at work in them. And, you know, and realize, you know, that if we are like, if you want to be like trees near His stream, 
and start to enjoy. We need to start, sorry, enjoy the little things that he puts every day in our life. Because one day we will look back and we will realize those were the big things in our everyday life. You know, we need to take a break to our busy life uh, and start stepping into God's rest. Uh, Taking his words, they might seem like little things compared to what the world might give us, but those words, you know, are the ones that will make our roots grow deeper and to stay planted by uh, his streams, no ours, his streams of living water. So let's pray as we close today before Mark's come back up. Um, thank you, Father, for, for your goodness. I thank you, Father, because, you know, a lot of time I would like to plan myself within, with, next to my desires, next to my streams of what I believe is living water. Just remind us that you are the only living water we can find. So bring us back daily to you and help us to be uh, the church you called us to be. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.